0: Hi, I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. I guess I I always prefer family style on pretty much everything. So unless people are really like, I don't want to share, I'm doing family style at almost every restaurant I go to. But I guess, but it is it is different if there's a dietary restriction. But if you
1: were going with a vegetarian, would you, like, be, like, vegetarian with them for the night and, like, do that? Or would you just rather yeah. have your own thing? Yeah.
0: Unless, like, I work, um, I think I would happily do that unless, well, because, one, if I'm going with a vegetarian, I wouldn't pick, like, Keen Steakhouse. You know what I mean? We'd already be going somewhere where I'm, like, more excited where about the vegetarian food. If there was something on the menu where I was, like, I need to try this and it isn't vegetarian, I would probably be, like, we're going to share a bunch of stuff. I'm also going to get this and I'll pay for it. But, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and then everything else is share. Yeah
1: that that's what I like. like if I go to dinner with someone who's like down to do the vegetarian thing with me like I love to share yeah. I like to try a little bit of everything
0: that's the joy of it
1: but yeah I I think since I've been a vegetarian since I was 7 like I don't know if right. since yeah. I was like a child and my brother was like one of the hungriest children like in the entire world he used to eat like like it was like you you sat down to dinner and you felt like you had to like eat all your stuff or else it was going to get taken
0: oh yeah so
1: I felt like since that age, like because there was like usually one vegetarian option, and it was usually like a good thing, because like vegetarian food can just be like mac and cheese as a kid. Right. So I was always like very protective of my no. separate meal.
0: Siblings will be feral with food. It's you really have to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, my sister was a demon. Wait, okay, we have to talk about selling sunset.
1: Yes. Wait, you never like really introduced anything, but oh my like, god, guys. I
0: literally <laughs> wait once again. I forgot. <laughs> I'm just so used to doing the normal episode interviews where we just go right in because there's our intro that I forget that in this I have to do the intro. (sighs) This is going to be a really crazy episode to listen to. (laughs) Welcome to another episode (laughs) of Going Out with Jake Cornell. I'm Jake Cornell, and the person you've already been listening to talk about vegetarian food is my friend and producer, Katie Brown.
1: Hey, guys. (laughs) Okay, wait.
0: So you just watched all of Selling Sunset for the first time?
1: Um, Yeah, so basically I... I started it, and- Was
0: I, it because, be honest, was it because I talk about it so much?
1: You talk about it a lot, and then I was at my friend's house, and they were watching it, and I was like, okay, I can get into this shit. Yeah. I just finished um, all of Real Housewives of New Jersey. Like, watched okay. from start to finish, and that's been, like, my project lately. Respect. Um, so, I, I, I always needed, like, a background noise kind of show. Like, Yeah. I, I'm usually watching, like, one thing that I like, actually pay attention to, and another thing that's just, like- entertaining noise Yep. Um, and so Selling Sunset has been that for me and it is just so fucking
0: entertaining it's so entertaining it is
1: so entertaining like
0: I don't think I could watch it as background noise because I get sucked in I just like end up like smooth braining and just fully just being like staring
1: yeah I think I have like whatever form of ADD that you have when like you can't do only one thing at a time like I have to be like on my phone in the shower and watching the show at the same time.
0: <laughs> no, I guess I am definitely on my phone when I'm watching Selling Sunset. That's fair. I'm definitely on my phone. But Nate will get Nate will be like, Are you paying attention? I'm like, okay, it's selling sunset. <laughs> wait, but I did clock something really interesting on Selling Sunset. Did I tell you about it? No. I probably wouldn't have because it's only interesting if you watched the okay, show. Tell me. So you're caught up, right?
1: Yeah, I'm caught up now.
0: Wait, let me get my phone so I can show you this.
1: My major thing and my major yeah, take from the show the takeaway from the show is like, what's the point of Brett? There's yeah. no point of him. They
0: made him do that fight at the beginning of season five that was, like, so dramatic and based on nothing. And that I was, like, like,
1: the fight over, like, who has the better relationship. It was,
0: like, really strange. And I was, like, that was the producers being, like, you need to bring more to the table. And then I think he did it once. And they were, like, actually, no, shut up. Yeah. Wait. Okay. but I Before I pull up the thing I found that's really funny to me about one of the Selling concept women. women. Like you were asking me before we recorded and we decided to not talk about it. Who, who are you? Like? Yeah. Who do you like? Okay. Wait. Do you want me to go first or do you, you want to go first? I don't know. Okay, so here's how I feel. It's like, obviously the show is designed for you to be, like, incredibly team Chrishell. Like, that is, like, she is the protagonist of the show. Like, that is what it's pitched as. Yeah. I, and I'm down. Like, I do really enjoy Chrishell. I think she's fun. I think that, like, because she is, like, the heart of the show and kind of the star, she doesn't have as many, like, flaws and foibles. So it's not as, she's not necessarily the most entertaining person on the show by, like, literally any means, but she's the person who, like you care about her relationship, da-da-da-da-da. Like, she's interesting in that way. And, like, she's really likable. So it's like, I'm down for that. I think that seasons one, two, and three, Christine was, like, some of the best reality television that's, like, ever been. Like, ever, ever been. Because it was just that perfect mix of, like, she will come in... Do the craziest shit anyone's ever done, and then show up the next day with a Frappuccino and an apology. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Like she was just like so good at being a reality star that caused a lot of drama and a lot of friction, but then like would apologize and was friends and cared. Like and then she's
1: always wearing like the most insane. Everything's
0: insane. And she's and she was like sort of like authentic about the inauthenticity of it all in the beginning. Yeah. Season four. It they just leaned too hard into the Christine drama and season 4 is definitely the worst season of the show because like there's no B plots like there's no subplots it's literally just everyone versus Christine for an entire season which isn't exciting or interesting do you know what I mean yeah
1: I feel like they all lean too much into her being the villain like she did it and then the rest of them all. Yeah, did yeah and like- so
0: even by season 5 I'm kind of like I don't want Christine to leave the show, but I just need them to focus on something else so that Christine can go back to being a little bit more nuanced because they're kind of like yeah. She's constantly having to like lie and then answer for the lies and da 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 and it's just like too much. Um, Yeah,
1: I also felt like that—wait, was that the season—was season four the season with the, like, Emma drama? Yeah,
0: because Emma and Vanessa got brought in season four.
1: Okay, so I could not figure that out. Like, couldn't they all sit down and talk about, like, a timeline? Like, let's plot it out on a fucking timeline and talk about when relationships ended and when they started because— I felt like they were just like being lazy about it. Like I felt like they were like, we need a plot line, like you guys all dated the same person at different times, let's make it drama.
0: Well, I do think part of it is that, I think Christina's maybe a little bit elusive in terms of like where she shows up and when. So people, there maybe was like strategically not an opportunity for like her, Chrishell, and Emma to sit down and like talk all that out. Fine,
1: yeah. But I I was just like, I was like, girls, like, Show the receipts. Yes. That's what I want. I wanted her to come to the reunion and for them to like actually decipher like if anyone was in the wrong here.
0: Yeah. So I think that like, so I do, I was like a huge Christine head and now, and I still really <laughs> like Christine. I just think that like the show, it's like, it's, they focused on her being the villain too much. I will yeah. say that. So there's that. Um, I used to not love Heather. Like I used to find Heather to be really like negative and I didn't like her fights. Like I thought they were kind of like frustrating. Um, But then I really enjoyed Heather in season five. I thought Heather really came into into her own. She really like when when she sits down with Christine and she's very, like, direct, like, it's clear that, like, Heather took, at some point in her life, has taken, like, a healthy communication class because she's actually, like, really direct (laughs) in these, like, very, like, kind of refreshing ways because, like you said, sometimes on the shows when they have these conflicts, it's, like, frustrating to watch because you're, like, you're not saying anything. Like, no one's asking a question. No one's saying anything. It's just, like, kind of air talk and Heather can actually be quite direct. I think that Davina... So here's the thing about Davina is I just think that she's such a special, like, precious orchid to be. It's like, she's so specific. Like, you couldn't perform her. Like, no actor could do what she's doing. And her social media is so amazing. And my argument about Davina is I think, and I, like, I think Davina is, like, crucial, vital seasoning. Like, I think it's, like, she has these beautiful lines in the middle of things that are, like, what the fuck? And also, like... (laughs) the cutaways to her reacting to things when people say them like Davina's face when someone says something like is so funny and so so I just think it's like she's really vital to the show and it's like I don't think they should ever focus a whole plot line on her because like I almost don't want to see her like scrutinized too much (laughs) but I love when she comes up in these like really weird specific ways so I do really enjoy her she was a little I think she was like in the first couple seasons trying to be to drama story and just was coming across like truly cruel, and I think she like learned that and lightened. it as the show's going on, she's become much more likable, and I really enjoy her. Yeah. Um, Maya, no notes. Like, Maya is God tier. Like, everything. I to say, my Ma-
1: favorite girl is Maya. She, she left.
0: She's not on I anymore. Know, and it's I'm so sad. I'm happy for her. Yeah. But she. No- I like
1: she was bringing that much to the show, yeah. but I just, she, like, But at the
0: same time, she was doing everything.
1: Yes. I loved the fact that she just, like, never knew what the fuck was going on. Nope. I was never like, cared. I relate to that so much. I, too, never know what the fuck she- is going on.
0: <laughs> when she was like, when, like, that time when there's, like, a quiet moment in the audience and she goes, or in the, in the office, there's, like, a quiet moment and she goes, The silent of the lamb. That's like the funniest (laughs) shit that's ever happened. Like, you just can't write. Like, she was amazing. Um, I love Maya so much. Um, Who else? Mary is like fine. Like, I don't know. Like,
1: she's such a Mary. Mary is Mary. Yeah.
0: Um, Like, I'm not mad at Mary. I'm not like dying for it. Like, but I do enjoy her on the show. Like, I enjoy them all. Like, there's no one. I there's no one on the show currently. And do you
1: think the brothers need to be there though? what are they really doing other than being like?
0: So I do think, okay, because have you watched Selling Tampa? No. So the difference between selling, the biggest difference between the Selling Sunset situation and the Selling Tampa situation is that Selling Tampa, I think her name is, it's not Sharon, what's her name? The woman who owns the brokerage that is, is like one of the cast members, like the Chris of Tampa is the owner. And I don't enjoy that. I personally don't enjoy it as much because she's like, she treats her employees in a really fucked up way because she's supposed to be part of the drama and the cast. Not that like everything that happens on, on sunset between the Oppenheims and the girls is like totally kosher, but it's like, yeah. There are a lot of times on Tampa where I'm like, this is fucked up. Like, I do love Tampa, but I do just think it's nice when there's, like, the bosses who, like, are barely in it. But kind of, like, will add a little bit pressure of pressure. Like, you got to sell that house. Or, like, <laughs> we sold that house. Or, like, here's your split. Or, like, you, I don't know. We're in escrow. I still don't know what escrow is. I've never. And- <laughs> I it,
1: it, until I watched a show, I did not know being in escrow was a good thing. It sounds painful.
0: I thought... I think I thought escrow was foreclosure and then I think they're like literally opposites. I have like, I have like a 20% concept of what escrow is.
1: I know it's like something good. I think it's like
0: the conversation. (laughs) I think it's like the conversation with the bank about like lumping together like your mortgage and property taxes and insurance and all that into like one payment that is then like your escrow payment. And like, so like when like you buy a house, it then goes into escrow to like figure that out. So it's like basically saying like we're like officially processing the buying of the house and then closing is the day when like the house is actually bought. I think is what it is. Emma is not my favorite.
1: Yeah. I just feel like it's always going to raise a flag to me if there's, like, a girly, a white, blonde girly who's coming in with her empanadas. like
0: (laughs) When Vanessa's, like, cheeseburger empanadas? Like,
1: that's not an empanada.
0: It's not an empanada. I love... I love Vanessa and then okay so then this is the thing I need to talk about that I discovered that oh, I'm obsessed yeah. with. Okay, so Chelsea was the newest cast member on um Yes, yes, yes. On she was added in season 5 or no, yes, yes in season 5. Yes. She has a British accent that is one of the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. Um
1: A lot of people think it's fake.
0: I'm not into th- I don't need it to be because I'm not going to lie like I've met people who, like, have weird backgrounds where, like, they were born in Finland, but they went to an international boarding school in Dublin, and, like, they they, they have these accents that it's not really, like, what is happening, but it is because, like, not everyone yeah. just grows up in one place, so I'm not...
1: Like Dorit from um, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Dorit's accent is, like, um, I, don't, yeah. I could not tell you what it is. She's, like, Israeli, but her accent sounds very British. And I also
0: think that people don't really talk... Like, accents change a lot faster than you think they do, like... If you're, like, in somewhere for, like, six months to a year, I think your accent, like, changes. Okay. So.
1: You're, in, like, really giving all the girlies who went abroad, like, a pass. That I'm
0: not want. saying you can come back from abroad a with an accent. But I'm saying, like, <laughs> if you move somewhere a year later, I think your voice, your intonation is probably going to be a little bit different. Fair. Moving forward. This is the discovery I made. You're going to die. So. Remember when Chelsea was talking about her mother and she was like, my, it's like when they, it's kind of like the first time they break away and show Chelsea's like home life. And they're like saying, she's like, I was raised by a woman who was in corporate America and like, she was a boss and she moved from Nigeria and she did all this stuff. And they show this photo of her mother holding her. Do you remember those? Yeah. So then a f- few hours later. And so for the listener, it's like this photo of w- a woman holding a baby and this yeah. woman like, looks like she can be related to Chelsea, absolutely. And the photo is in a photo frame and then it's in front of this weird backdrop and there's a, f- there's a filter over it to kind of make it look like it's an older photo, right? Yeah. I'm looking on Instagram and I go, I'm sitting next to Nate while we're watching Selling Sunset and I go, whoa, look at this photo of Chelsea before she had plastic surgery. And Nate goes, isn't that the photo of her mother they just showed? And then oh. I realized that the photo of her mother is not her mother, it's a photo of Chelsea from 2019 on her own Instagram before she had her lips done.
1: That is so face tuned, by the way. But that's Oh. It's her. Oh my god.
0: Isn't that crazy? What the
1: fuck? <laughs> like she didn't even delete it from her Instagram. Like that is Wait, so-
0: I never realized how face tuned it is, but look.
1: Even the baby's face tuned.
0: Wait, but look how like the tree bends towards her head. <laughs> Like, it's really jagged. Oh, oh, my God. I never clocked she, that before. Her,
1: her, her baby, like, has a smoother face than even a baby could have. I think
0: I'm going to download Facetune and use it, not for my own photos, but so I can play it. Because I don't have an eye for Facetune. Like, my friends will be like, that's Facetune to high hell, and I actually don't clock it. Like, I feel like right. I don't have that. Yeah, I don't think I have the eye to, like, catch Facetune, and I want to. I want to be able to look at something and be like, I know what you did. <laughs>
1: Recently, I was I was wanting to post an Instagram, and I was like with a big group of my girlfriends. I'm not the like I feel like a lot of times friend groups have like one person who's like the one who edits people's Instagram photos for them. Like, <laughs> yeah, they know how to like make the lighting look good. Okay? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm not that person, but there was this one photo of me that I wanted to post. Um, it's actually on my Instagram.
0: Go check out. Go check out. Are you private? No. Oh, okay.
1: Um. No. 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 But basically. Um, My friend was like very drunk and she was like, there's a trash can in the back of this photo. Like you can't, like it looks so bad. It's like taking up so much of the photo. And I was like, well I can't really crop it out because like it's like right behind me. (laughs) She's like, well the trash can I guess is fine but like there's a bag coming out, like the trash bag. And that for some reason was really bothering her. So she took my phone. And she's playing around with this photo for so fucking long. Like, I'm like, this is gonna come out being like stunning. Like, it's <laughs> going to look like there was never a trash bag there. And she hands it back to me, and it's like this like blurred like No. Scary, like, and I just like posted it anyway because I thought it was really funny. <laughs> and, like, if you look on it, there's just this like really fucked up. Like, it probably just so it looks like
0: there's like a dildo or something hanging like, out that it's, got like, blurred way
1: out. Way worse than it was when it just was a normal trash bag.
0: <laughs> I know. Wait, I did a Zoom. I had a Zoom meeting recently. Where I didn't know this, but like, did you know that Zoom has a feature where you can like blur your background? Yeah. My like the person I had the Zoom meeting with did that, and I was sort of like I was really shocked because I didn't know it was a feature. I was like, "Whoa, you can like blur your background?" And am like, "Yeah." And I was like, immediately, I was like, "Now I assume you have like the most craven shit behind you that I can imagine." Like
1: that's why I don't do it because I exactly. feel like it's weirder to do it than just for like you to see like my kind of embarrassing like poster that I have.
0: Yeah, and, and I I'm am like anything. I understand people have like a right to privacy, but people who are like really private like that, I'm immediately like you're a freak. <laughs> immediately, like if someone's like like even private Instagram, I'm like freak. Do you know it's really common? Okay, so I this agree. is like a thing that's really bizarre. So <laughs> like on Scruff and Grinder, you can link your Instagrams to it. So like someone could look at your. Oh, you can probably do it on like Hinge. On and Hinge, stuff too. I think
1: you can too. So,
0: that it is so common for guys to do that to a private Instagram, and I'm like. Like literally why?
1: That is something only guys would ever do. It's
0: crazy to me.
1: Why? Like, I why?
0: feel like they fit. I'm i like the only thing I can possibly think is that you are like actually think it's like powerful to have a private Instagram and you want to show that off by being like, look, mine's private. And it's like, no, it's literally, I'm like, you're a freak. I think being private is a freak.
1: But it's also weird because it's like you're on a public plat- dating platform that like people could see you 100%. and photos of you on. So like, why do you then feel like that's like adding a mystique to you?
0: Yeah, I just don't understand it. That is very I get when people have private Twitter, I kind of respect it because I'm like you're talking shit, and we know yeah. I love to talk shit. Yeah, I'm like if you have to protect talking shit, respect.
1: Yeah, but like what um, for some you reason really be posting on your Instagram, that's like
0: I'm like you need to just like post the Instagram
1: or like yeah, and like get a private story, like like the rest close, of you. close friends. We, yeah, you like, got to get a close, close friend story. story. I feel like that's like I feel like that's the norm now. It's like if you want to post something that's like a little bit out of left field and like just for like.
0: You close friends it.
1: Yeah. But, like, here's what I don't understand. It's, like, what are you posting that, like, your mom is allowed to see, but, like, some random stranger that you're meeting on a dating app isn't?
0: Yeah. And, then like, what are, like, the fear is, like, you're, like, I'm so hot that someone's going to, like, steal my photos. I just, like, don't get it.
1: <laughs> that has literally never crossed my mind.
0: Well, that I think it's, like, I think it's just so funny when people are, like, trying to be... I obviously understand that like cybersecurity is important and like down, especially for like stuff that's happening politically where it's like, you need to get like signal, like encrypting text Like I get the importance of that. But when you are like engaging with face, something that is owned by meta, like your own, like if you are engaging with like Facebook or Instagram and then are trying to be private within the confines of that, it's like that it's, it's like, I'm trying to think of like a metaphor for it, but it's like, it doesn't, it's like if you, if you were a private person, don't be here. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, like, don't be on social media then. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, like, why are you... This stuff
1: isn't really private.
0: Yeah, and also, (laughs) like, the second you post any of it, like, Marky Zuck owns it. It's his now. He can do whatever he wants. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And so
0: it's, like, it's just funny to engage with it in that way.
1: I totally agree. Especially because, like, they're, like, on these apps, like, there are plenty of people, like, sending each other, like, naked photos and shit. Like, it's just funny that, like, people are comfortable doing that and then not having their Instagram be public. Which, speaking of, I was with a group of girls that I went to high school with last night. And there's this one guy that we went to high school with who has now become a famous... Actually, I don't think I want to say that.
0: Oh, okay, but now I need to know. I'm
1: going to tell you later. Okay. <laughs> there's there's someone who has now become, like, a, like a, a personality um, that's a well-known person that went to our high school. Okay. And they were all talking about how, like, in high school, like, he was kind of creepy and he used to send them dick pics and i'm sitting there like i never got one like wait why that's was I not devastating i was sitting there like like literally this whole group of girls and i was like everyone except for me wait
0: literally though hold on can you, I'm just, not good can you just can you just
1: i'm good. i think you're going to be like really disappointed can you just type out who it is yeah hold on.
0: Oh, I literally couldn't care less. I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I could have gone my
0: whole life not knowing. I wouldn't have cared. Okay.
1: Okay, then. I'm an asshole. Okay, whatever. But anyway, never got that, so I was a little bummed. Um, It made me not feel great about myself because I just didn't know. Like, did you think? Wait,
0: weird question. Did you think you were hot in high school? Did
1: Did I think I was, or do I think that now, looking back?
0: because no, no one should think they were hot in high school looking back because we were kids. Right. But I guess like I'm saying like I'm not someone who thought I was hot in high school so for me to not be treated as hot makes sense. Like there are times in my life when I've been like I was objectively hot then so if someone didn't do this I would uh, feel. Do you know, know what I mean? I think of it
1: as like a being hot enough to receive this dick pic. But what yeah, else would it be? Maybe that's what it was. I don't know like just it seemed like he was just kind of giving him out like they were. Caring.
0: Oh, so you're like, yeah. what like
1: I, Was I not relevant? Like, <laughs> I I definitely I didn't I didn't think I was hot in high school, but I definitely I definitely had a lot of parties, so I I was relevant in that way. Like I knew who he was and he knew who I was, so I'm like, damn, like okay.
0: Guess like, I didn't make the cut.
1: Didn't make the cut. Like you didn't really want to keep in touch in that way, <laughs> um, and that's fine. I
0: that sucks.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Like you like literally typed the name in for one second. I thought I knew who it was. And then I look now and I'm like, no, I literally will never think about this person again. I will never hear about this person again. Um, that's so funny. That's really funny. Oh okay. Moving on. We have a great episode for you. This is a real industry nerd episode. Um, this uh, our guest is someone I have known since I moved to New York City. We worked together in my very first restaurant job and then worked together at Kindred where she was the GM. We worked all through the pandemic together and outside of restaurants, she is one of my dearest and closest friends and I love her so much in this episode. It's just like a really great conversation about working in the industry, what we think about the industry, how it needs to, ch- like what we think about it changing. It's, it's a really good one. So please enjoy me going out with Charlotte Merzoff. did you like it 20 seconds ago so good so Uh, great thank you I'm so excited to have your episode now I know very excited yeah I mean so to give the listener a little bit of context um Charlotte and I have I mean I feel like I've probably worked with you more in restaurants than maybe anyone in my life Like, I would consider you like my service industry sister at this point (laughs) totally um Um, also like
2: Like war vets.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. War vets, for sure. So um, Charlotte and I worked at a restaurant together, my first restaurant job in New York. um, And that was a harrowing experience in its own way. Um, And that's where Charlotte and I got to know each other. I worked there for eight months. Charlotte put in a good, what, four years there?
2: Three years. Three years in that restaurant, but five years, I think, in that
0: company. So. Damn. And so then... And then we stayed friends, and then was it against almost, all odds? <laughs> against all odds, we stayed friends, and then I guess that would have been two or three years ago that we I ended up back at Kindred.
2: Yeah, well, it, we opened Kindred in October 2019, and yeah. so, but I think you were there a little bit before to like help set like help. Yeah. Open the restaurant, but so basically October 2019. Yeah, so
0: 2019. Charlotte brought me in. I had been working at a place called Rosemary's for like four years, and then Charlotte grabbed me and helped open the restaurant I worked at before I left the restaurant industry called Kindred. And Kindred was the best restaurant job I ever had. There's no oh. question. Um, that restaurant is so special to me. It is one of my favorite places in the city. Um, I think you probably feel similarly. <laughs> but yeah, we also I mean Very we worked there through, I mean, Charlotte and I were the two that worked there through the entire pandemic. Like, we closed in March, and then we reopened in, what, like, May, and then we hit the ground running. And, like, don't worry, this episode is not going to be just, like, rehashing (laughs) the COVID years of restaurants. (laughs) Like, that's not what this is, but, like, that is part of why Charlotte and I are, like, very, very close. And I wanted to have you on the show because I wanted, like, I thought it would just be fun to talk about our time time in the restaurant industry what we've learned where like yeah. what brought you into it how you got to where you are and similarly you know with me because you were there for so much of my time in the New York restaurant industry and I just thought it would be I think a lot of these episodes tend we tend to talk a lot about just like general kind of like each other's experiences but you and I have so much experiences together and I thought this would be like totally. a, more of like a fun like deep dive yeah so I, you if I remember correctly you you you're obviously I obviously we know you're from Delco, you're from the Philly area, no. and <laughs> you so you when you moved to New York, you moved to New York to work in like the nonprofit sector. Like you weren't gonna yeah. come to New York to do restaurants.
2: Honestly, I thought that I was going to um work in I thought I was gonna be in like academia and nonprofits. Um when I went to college for human development and family studies and I wanted to continue that education and get a PhD because, um, I was working with a professor that I like really enjoyed her, her work and her research. Um, but her advice was get a, like work in the workforce for a little while and you'll be a better PhD candidate. And like, also just like a better human. Cause like get out there and like discover the world. So I moved to New York a couple months after graduating and got a job and a nonprofit that helped house the homeless, which was like, oh my God, I'm doing such great things for the world. Even if I only get paid $30,000 a year, I'll just figure it out. In um, New York City. <laughs> uh, turns out that's not a really great salary in New York City or anywhere, honestly. Um, and, you know, it was like grunt work. It was entry-level non and it was just like, do all the
0: stuff that every, nobody else wants to do. So, And had you done any restaurant work like prior to that, like in high school or in like yeah in college at all
2: my yeah totally so my in high school i worked at a deli called sleepy hollow deli which has the best cheesesteaks in delco just saying um and uh so that was all of high school i think actually before that i worked at like the like my best friend's mom ran the snack bar at the pool at the country club and like i worked the Uh, snack bar and like fried mozzarella sticks and like probably gained 30 pounds that summer because I was just <laughs> all summer. Um, and then there was also my, my parents, best friends who like, I call aunt and uncle. Um, my uncle Rocky, um, had a, a, diner in South Philly and I was the dishwasher there for a while, which was, and
0: back then, did you love restaurant work? Like you do now, because I guess like another thing I want to say, like you are of all the people I know in the restaurant industry, One, you're the most, one of the most talented people at it, like in terms of like dealing with guests, designing cocktails, like running a restaurant, like at this point, Charlotte is now the GM of Kindred. So she's done it all. She's running the show and she's incredible, but you're also, I don't know anyone who fucking loves it like you do. Like, I don't like, there's so many people in the restaurant industry that like are bitter because it's fucking rough. Like it is a hustle and it's rough and also frankly, mm-hmm. a lot of people end up there unintentionally or because they were trying like you know and that's
2: where it's like, just like a money maker thing
0: exactly and you are one of the people like you were one of the few people I know who is there because it's like your dream, your yeah. love, your passion and that is what's so special to me is like celebrating I want i I want us to be celebrating people like you because you are what make the industry thrive and like whenever you go to one of those like really special places that has like a little magic to it it's not because there's some genius like corporation behind it is it's because there's someone like you behind it or a team of someone you're
2: gonna make me cry don't cry that's very sweet thank you it's true
0: though and like i but i want i'm just curious because i guess we haven't really talked about i'm just curious when and where that developed for you did you know that from the jump
2: i think i I don't think I consciously knew that from the jump, but I remember very, so I was 15 when I was like a dishwasher at my uncle's diner. And I specifically remember like loving this, this community that was happening. So, like in South, South Philly is very Italian and very like neighborhood for everybody knows everybody. Uh-huh. Everybody hangs out on the soups. It's different now, but this yeah. was, again, I'm not going to give my age away, but this was a long time ago.
0: And, um, <laughs> Charlotte's not that old for the, for the listener. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, um, so there was these, there was like a few guys, like a few old Italian neighborhood guys that would come in right when we opened at like 6am and have a coffee. And then they would go and like do whatever they did. And then they would come back at like, 9 a.m. and have breakfast and another coffee. And then they would go and do whatever they did. And then they would come back at noon and have lunch and another coffee. And they all knew each other. None of them sat together, but they all knew each other. They all said hello to each other. Um, and that was like always this like, oh my God, like regulars. That's super cool. Everybody knows everybody, everybody kind of takes care of everyone, and like there's this like community thing going on. But also the so my uncle bought this diner because it was his favorite place to go. He owned a heating and air conditioning. This sounds very mob. It's not, he really did own a heating and air conditioning (laughs) business around the corner. And like that, this, the Culver Steakhouse, which is what the diner was called. Weird. Um, was his favorite. Yeah. It's not, but it was a diner that they called the Culver Steakhouse. I don't know why. Um, It was owned by a family, and it was struggling. It was maybe going to close, and so my uncle bought it and was, like, helping them stay afloat. So it was this family that owned it. Like, the daughters, uh, Joanne, and I don't remember the other one's name, were, were the waitresses. One of them was the cooks, and then the mom, Cass, was a waitress but would like maybe have one table a day and the rest of the day she sat in the back booth and chain smoked cigarettes and read the newspaper and I was and she had like big tall bright red hair and I was just like this lady is it like that's she is living her best life she is like I'm daughters you go run the restaurant and these daughters were like in their 30s like they weren't like young girls like this was their lives you go run the restaurant. I'm going to sit back here and I'll only talk to the people that I like and want to talk to. But Damn. it was this like very family, like, I don't know. It was just that kind of community. I was like, I fucking love this. I looked forward to every Saturday, even though I had to wake up at 5 a.m. on a Saturday as a teenager and Damn. go into this diner. Um, And I loved it. And then, uh, so I think and subconsciously. I kind of, like, and I was the dishwasher. Like literally the dishwasher was behind where Cass would sit and smoke cigarettes. So I was like getting fucking smoked out <laughs> while I was, <laughs> while I was washing dishes. Um, you but I, like I a loved of it.
0: bleach and Mar breads. Like.
2: It, was, it was wild, but um, <laughs> yeah, I loved it. And then uh, like working at sleepy hollow deli, I also like, there was a sense of community. We had our regulars. There was this like, Old, it was like basically a bunch of teenagers that worked there after school and on the weekends. And then there was this old lady, Bessie, who still works there, which I'm like, how the fuck old are you now? Like, I can't believe you still work at this deli, but cool. It's,
0: I've been thinking about this a lot. Like this, that, like, this has nothing to do with restaurants, but it's like, I've been thinking about it a lot. Like when you're like 15, someone who's like 55, I'm like, oh, that's like, if they have gray hair, I'm like, oh, that's an old man. <laughs> and now like, and then, like, you're when you're in your like 30s or your late 20s or whatever, it's like they're in their 80s, and you're like, oh no, now they're old. They were now actually kind of hot when I was younger. Like, they're probably like well, 50s, I'm like pretty sure was,
2: I'm pretty sure she was in her 70s when I was working there.
0: Oh no, so she's but, really playing hardball. She's, she's like old. old. Okay, God bless. Um, she's, and she's still working. She's,
2: she's still working. Like every time I go in, she's like, Oh, Char-, she's Greek. And she's like, Oh, De Charlie, how are you? She's like, have you lost weight? I'm like in the last 15 years, maybe like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's the last time I saw you. Um, but yeah, she, that, That's that was so like funny. another, like, like I remember our boss was like kind of a, a, a like, She was a lot of a person. She's, like, a very kind person, but she was, like, at any given moment, like, maybe on Adderall, maybe on Xanax, you don't know, and, like, would sell us, like, let us buy cigarettes. And, like, (laughs) definitely we, like, stole beer from the fridge as teenagers, and she, like, didn't, she, like, knew what was happening like, probably looked the other way. Anyway, it was an insane place, and, like, that was the place that I was, like, oh, like, my coworkers are my family. Like, yeah this is a little family that, like, we would go out with each other, which was, like, weird in high school, right? Because you just have, like, your high school friends.
0: Oh, my God, and yeah. Like, I can imagine, high, like, high school girls being, like, pissed, being like, yeah, apparently Charlotte has deli friends now. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We would,
2: like, go out after work and we would all smell like the deli, too. And, like, no one else wanted to hang out with us because we smelled like deli. Like,
0: we were gross. That was David and I, my best friend, worked at Ben & Jerry's and would leave smelling, like, rotten fucking milk. Like, it was so foul. Like, the Ben & Jerry's smell, I still, like, I can recall it instantaneously. It's one of the worst smells in the world.
2: Whenever I walk into Sleepy Hollow now, I'm like, oh, God, this is triggering. Like, my (laughs) mom was like, you're not allowed to wear these shoes in the house. Like, I had to take my shoes off outside and leave them outside. Oh, my God. Before I walked into the house. So... Yeah, that was the first like sense of like community and family, and I think that's the biggest part for me. Is like I, my parents both like my dad owned owned a dry cleaning business my whole life. My mom works in a hospital. Like I don't come from like white collar same family, so yeah. like it. I I just like went into. The workforce being, like, this is what you do. You sit at a desk. And I literally got let go from my job because I was really bad at it when I was, like, in an office in New York. I was really bad at it. And I would, like, fall asleep at the computer because I was, like, so (laughs) bored. And my boss would walk out of her house and be, like, hello. And I'm, like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And, like, she (laughs) kindly recognized that, like, I was 22 and, like, this just wasn't it for me. And she was, like, we're going to restructure the the organization and we're gonna like restructure your position out of it and they like gave me a severance and let me go and I was like oh that's like at the time I was like absolutely devastated but I was also like looking back I'm like that's the best way that could have happened because I had two months to like figure out what I wanted
0: which is such a gift especially when you're that young to just have like a moment to like kind of sit and be like wait what the fuck do I want to do and not be like I need to go outside right now and make a thousand (laughs) dollars
2: and like, I remember in that first year living in New York, my two roommates, Mallory and Britt, who I like call my, my New York moms, because they both lived, had lived in New York for several years at that point. And, um, like I met a lot of my friends who I'm like still very good, like my best friends through them. Um, and Britt is actually also from Delco. So like, she's like a sister to me, um. But Mallory was working in. She's a fashion designer, and she was working in bars and restaurants. And her best friend, who became one of my best friends, Ashton, um, Ashton Warren. Shout out uh, has a like makes
0: delicious cookies, and you've had them. Um, and is one of the best, uh, cookie, one of the best 100%. bakers, and one of the best burlesque dancers in the city. Honestly, and what a combo that is. One
2: hundred percent. She's a very talented lady.
0: Um, Anyway, she was working at a restaurant called Marc Forgione.
2: She was the pastry chef there. And she's like, I think we need a hostess. Why don't you come work here and like till you figure it out? And that's when I was, I started working there and I was like,
0: oh, this is the industry.
2: This is what I want to do. And, you know, it was also fun because I was like going out with like my, you know, my new friends every night. So it was like, it was exciting, um, yeah, but also well, again, I mean, like, like I had—I didn't have other friends in New York at this point that I had just made. You know what I mean? Like my friends in New York at this point were like my um, my roommates' friends, and so now I had this like group of friends that were mine, and I was working in like a really fancy Michelin star restaurant in Tribeca, and it was just like it was a really, I remember when I left that restaurant, I actually like sat down with Mark and had an exit interview and I was like, you know, I'm leaving because I, I want to like, you know, move up and on. There's not that opportunity for me here, but like, just so you know, this restaurant changed what I wanted to do with my life. And like, thank you for that. So it was, uh, that was definitely like the pivotal restaurant for me. And it's definitely the restaurant where people are like, what was the craziest restaurant you ever worked in? Like the one where like, you guys went out all the time, and it was like nuts. So like, like what people think re- working in restaurants is and TV, like that was it. We were like the group that I worked with there. We were just like buddies, and we went out all the time, and we like had after parties in the restaurant. That's, it was like
0: crazy shit. That's wild because I feel like that. I like the restaurant you and I met at put puts up a pretty good fight for that title. Like we were definitely going wild.
2: Yes, but it was like. Because that restaurant was like pretty corporate, not not Forge, the one we worked at together. There was there was like rule. There was like a lot of rules. Like Forge okay, was right. the only restaurant he had at the moment, and it was fairly new. It was a few years old, and like it was just a bunch of like young, passionate gunners, like people going after what they wanted. And so like,
0: it sounds like he did a really good job hiring for that restaurant. Like he, hired, I think like,
2: he did. Yeah, I and. You know, I haven't um, worked there in t- t- 11 years, but it was, like, a little family and a little community. And, like, also it reminded me that, like, you don't have to work in a place, like, like the whole, like, do you live to work or work to live? Like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can, like, absolutely love where you are and what you're doing. And there are going to be hard days, but, like, we're going to make this important to every single person here. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Work
0: doesn't have to be suffering to be work. Like it can be part, yeah. you can be passionate about it and you can like enjoy it. And
2: if you all care about each other, it makes
0: it that much better. Totally. You know. Did you it, it's so interesting because I feel like you and I had like sort of almost like the opposite experience because I was like I was working in restaurants like and, and like similar to like your deli and your like in when I was back in Vermont like I was working in places that were like really small, super community driven among like the staff especially. Like that thing of like mm-hmm. The people that work at this restaurant are a family. Like, this is who my social circle is. We are, like, connected on this thing in a way like no one else is. Mm -hmm. It's, like, very intense and very fun and very exciting and, like, very loving. And I'm still, like, incredibly close with the people from – El Gato was the restaurant I worked at in Burlington. And, like, we're still all super close. And it's, like, when I moved to New York and saw how big the industry was, and I think maybe because where we – where you and I met was so corporate, I was, like – oh, this is, like, it's too yeah. big to have that. Like, I lost sense of that. I lost sense of that thing of, like, family and intimacy and felt like I was part of this, like, huge machine, especially where we worked, which was just, like, such a hard restaurant to work at. Well, you, like, almost had to earn your keep at that restaurant. You know what I mean? It was, like,
2: you started working. At other restaurants I worked at, it was, like, you started working and you're in. Like, you're part of us now. And at that restaurant, it was, like, you're not in until we've decided that you're good enough.
0: Yeah, I mean there was it that was the thing is that it was so like the culture of I think that's like a th- important thing to talk about is like what kind of culture you create at a restaurant that you're running like right? like as a manager as like a as like an owner like what kind of like what is the environment that you think like you want your restaurant to thrive within and I think like the restaurant that you and I met at that we're like we're deliberately not naming for a reason guys but it's like <laughs> like and mostly it's because the owner of it has enough money that he could order hits on Charlotte and us and get away with it. Like,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's like, but it's like, I think that like that restaurant and I feel like the restaurants that it really looked up to, like the EMPs and the Del Postos and the per se is like, and I've never, and like, and I'm, I'm guessing I'm doing a bit of like guesstimation of what it's like to work at those places because I've never worked at those places. And I don't, I do know some people have worked at some of them, but like, it was this idea of like yeah you're in or you're out and there's like almost a cool girl thing about it but also like the way that this restaurant asserts its value is by being super fucking cutthroat and super fucking like intense and demanding in this way that it's like like you got to like if you don't like everyone's on the chopping block and if you don't stand like any day you could get cut down and it creates this like I think they think it creates a product of like the guests can then come in and be like I'm getting the best of the best because they fired the people who aren't the best of the best and like it's you know and or the people who weren't the best of the best like quit because they couldn't handle it and like maybe that's I maybe that's like 20% effective because like what it really does is it creates a space in my opinion it creates a space where it's like I don't feel safe or empowered to like do my job. Like I'm, 100%. I'm a con you're constantly on the defensive of like trying not to get fired, trying mm-hmm. to stay, you know what I mean? Also like the level and it was coming from all sides, front of house management, back of house management. It was, the culture was like so endemic. And it's also the number one restaurant I've worked at in terms of like that had the, that um oh, like almost kind of celebrated the culture of like chef abuse. That, mm-hmm. like, Which is like a whole other thing that we haven't even, I've never gotten into on this podcast, but like the culture of like abusive chef, like, which I feel like I caught, like, does that still exist in New York? Like, do you hear about people working in restaurants where chefs are like that? Because I do. Okay. You're looking at me like I'm a crazy person. I guess I just like. No, yeah,
2: no. Like, it definitely exists. And I think people, it's, it's abusive, right? Like, it, it's exactly I mean, like, that. Well, so like. So, like, they convince people that that's just how it is and you don't talk about it. And you don't complain well, about it.
0: That was why – I mean, that's, like, the thing. Whenever I look back on that restaurant, it's, like, the thing I'm always, like, is, like, how, why did I stay there longer than – Do you know that I quit that restaurant my second week? I
2: did not know that.
0: I quit. My second week, I, I pulled one of the managers aside and I was, like, I'm leaving. I can't do this. And I walked out of the restaurant and the GM texted me and was like, can you please come back and have – or no, they emailed me. And they were like, can you please come back and have a meeting and we'll, like, talk about your position here. And I was like, okay. And so I came back and it was during lineup. I quit after my – I quit after a breakfast shift or a breakfast mm-hmm. lunch shift. And I was I remember I was, like, walking up Park Avenue and I got a tech, uh, an email and I came back and I sat with her in the dining room while everyone else was at lineup for dinner. And she was like, look like you – she kind of was like, "She was like, you can't just do training and then like work for a week and then quit. That's not how it works." And I was like, "Okay, I can't do this though. Like, I had gone from working in like really fun spaces to like I think my first two weeks at that restaurant, I did sixty-five hours each week because like they were so understaffed and it was so crazy." It was, and I was always also kind that, of like. Yeah. And it was also – and I don't think I said this at the time, but part of me was like, I thought you guys wanted me to quit. Like, I thought I was bad. Like, you guys were making me feel so shitty that it was like, oh, I'm probably doing this restaurant a a service by getting out of the mix because, like, every single, like, breath I breathe is, like, faced the wrong way in the restaurant. Like, you know, it was just so crazy. And I actually think that kind of led to me being a little bit more successful at that restaurant because I asserted myself to be like, if you, like – I'll leave. You know what I mean. Like Mm -hmm. I, I had a set of demands. I was like, I will get promoted within like this set of time. Like there was like Mm -hmm. very much like clear demands that were like that I kind of laid out in order to stay, and I think that really helped me. But like that, but I look back now and I'm like, why I should have, I should have. I don't really regret anything because I'm happy where I am in life, and I did learn a lot from those experiences. Mm -hmm. But like, if I were to see someone else in that position now, working in that restaurant and being treated the way we were being treated. I would have been like quit on week two. Don't go back. Yeah. You did the right choice because they do convince you that this is how, not that this is how every restaurant in New York is, but this is how every good restaurant in New York is. That right, is Like you're not going to
2: make it if you can't
0: handle it kind of thing.
2: And I think, I think that restaurant did like that sort of um, mentality did a couple of, it did a lot of bad things, but it did two things that like really stand out to me and kind of like Formed the way that I now run my programs and my restaurants. Um because like one, it gives the guests the opportunity to do whatever the fuck they want and walk all over people, and that's just not how it is. Like you're coming to my restaurant and and relying on me, the expert, to give you an experience. So don't come in here and order a grilled cheese. That was Absolutely such a thing. No, not. <laughs> and like it teaches people that they can do whatever they want and it's just not okay. We can't like it is an experience. Well, that would be the, you're, you're a diner, yeah, and yeah. I'm telling you what it is. You know, like that that's how that be like when people come
0: it. into this restaurant, treat them like you're in their house. And sometimes I want to be like if a person behaved this way in my house, I tell them to get the fuck out. Let like out. Yeah. So what do I don't know what you want me to like, do? There
2: was and, times when like like I, you know, we had that crazy wait list at the bar. We, like, had to keep our own wait list at the bar, which
0: was nutso. And And this was, like, peak – this was one of the hottest bars in New York at the time, honestly, especially for that neighborhood. And it was, like, people were waiting. Like, imagine waiting – and this isn't a – people were waiting two hours to then sit at a bar. Right. Which is deranged. Crazy.
2: And someone – like, I remember someone called me a bitch once because I was, like, you're literally the eighth person on the list. Like, I see that you want to sit, but, like, there's nothing I can do. I will let you know – when your time is, and they called me a bitch, and I was like, "You can leave." Like I was like, "You, you know what? Your name's crossed off the list. Time to go. You should go." And they're like, "Let me speak to a manager." So I got a manager, and the first manager that came over, like, apologized to this person, and I was like,
0: "This for, guy just call calling you a bitch."
2: Yeah, and then it's like so another ridiculous. manager got involved I'm and shocking. like swiftly exited the person from the restaurant, which was like good the right move. But I was just like, I can't believe that that, but it, again, it teaches people that they can get walked all over. And like, so that leads me to like the other thing that I think restaurants like that do a disservice to our whole industry because you're, you're like, you're making people feel like everything they do is not good enough and their opinions don't matter because like magically the person who got hired as a manager, is some sort of God who knows the answer. Like, no, like we're all in this together. Maybe the person who got promoted to be a manager excels at like something else that got them to that position, but it doesn't mean the person that's a bartender or a back server or a bar back or whatever, a dishwasher is an idiot or an asshole. Like everyone has a skill set, and everyone should be given like multiple opportunities to do their job well. And that's how like that's how the whole industry becomes better and like thrives. And for me, it's like, yeah, it is annoying when you've told someone three times to do this thing and they still are not doing it right. But but it's like that that thing in school where you're like, not everybody learns the same way. And so when you're when you're when you give someone a training packet and they have to check all these boxes off on a training packet, it doesn't mean they're gonna retain that information. Like no. like your star person. Like you have to be patient and you have to allow people to make mistakes and allow people to ask questions and allow people to like not know stuff because that's how we all learn. And I think in, in environments like that, it was like you don't know or you're not doing it that right or blah, 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 whatever. Like lame jokes about wine or whatever that we were all like, what are you talking about? Like it's also like, it's so about
0: yourself. Yeah. And it's like, the other thing is like it creates what I get upset about also when I look back on that time is is like, it creates this thing where it's like everyone is so miserable and stressed that they treat, they become the bad guys. Like, mm-hmm. I th- like I think towards the end of me working there, like I look back at some of the time, like I don't think I ever did anything like egregious there, but like I think of some of the people that I would get like really frustrated with where like this person fucking sucks at their job. And I'm like, I was like, I definitely probably did not show them the patience that I needed to show them, but it's because that job was so hard that it was like we were also so constantly, uh, like, pushed up against the rails that it's, like, if someone was fucking it up, it, like, really put your neck on the block in this way that was so stressful that then I was, like, I fucking hate Charlotte because she, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? And it's crazy now to go back. And, like, that. I can see how that trickled down. Like, when I started, people were treating me that way and then I started to treat people that way. And I think that was one of the many reasons why I was, like, I got to get out because I'm becoming these people I fucking hated. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy now in, we're, what, like, eight years out from that time. I'll, like... I have, like, I'll run into people from that time and they don't work there anymore. I don't work there anymore. And they're, like, kind and nice and excited. And I'm, like, wow, I have to, like, unlearn the fact that I fucking hated you. Like, Mm -hmm. you were a different person. Like, people, we've talked about this. Like, people that, like, you were, like, you are friends with or I am friends with that I'm, like, I didn't, like, we've talked about this. Like, I can respect that you are friends with them, but, like, I need you to know that back in the day I fucking hated them and they treated me in a really fucked up way. And we all have to acknowledge, like, okay, and they are responsible for that. But also, like, it was a product of this environment that we were all in. So now okay. it's, like, relearning. Like, I'm, we even we, like, we, have had these conversations before. It's like, oh, I have to relearn, like, how I actually feel about this person now that we don't work in this environment that was creating this. And being like, oh, I actually do like this guy. Like, and and I have friends from that back in those days that are like, I actually can like, unfortunately, like the way my brain works and the way my emotions work, it's like, I'll never like them. Like, I, I'm too angry at them for the rest of my life. And I'm right. like, cool. And I respect that. And that's like how that goes. And I hope no one feels that way about me. I don't think I ever got that bad. But I do think we all, like, I'm sure you feel the same way where it's like, damn, I was, I like, wasn't my, it made you not the best version of yourself, which is like so yeah. wildly the opposite of what you would want a job, especially like restaurant work is about, C- taking care of people yes it was like it should have been so wildly the opposite yes
2: and the right. premise of that restaurant too was like take care of each other and it was like but wait <laughs> i worked 70 hours this week what yeah you know and you're not doing your best work when you're like doing a clopin all week like if like brunch into dinner into brunch into dinner like that was normal yeah, I mean, well, it was just, like... It was, like, Friday night into Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday
0: morning, Sunday night, and it was, like, how am I alive? If I would go back, like, I'm not joking. If I could go back in time to that period of time, and it's, like, I could, one, tell me, hey, you should just quit this restaurant, and, two, I, could, I honestly would be, like, or you could go to The New Yorker and give them a great article, like, because, like, that shit was fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. they had people... They weren't letting people... Like we, I mean, first off, like I don't think the bathroom access was legal. Like the fact that you had to like (laughs) like a mile away. It was like the bathrooms were insane, the food access was insane. They sometimes would make people work breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which is working from 6 a.m. to midnight, which is like with insane cumulatively like one hour off time. It was like so fucking crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm like, it's just really wild. I think that the conversation over the past like few years has really highlighted like I've felt empowered as like when I was a restaurant worker, like I, a lot of those conversations empowered me to be like, oh yeah, like we can stand up for ourselves and we can demand mm-hmm. like a good working environment and like realistic existences. And that ultimately is like a service of the guest because like yes. it's, it's human. Like it's funny. Cause like in, in like the entertainment industry, it's like talent is this like brand, branch of people, right. That like get treated in a certain way where it's like the talent has to like, there's, I mean, there's like literal union contracts to make sure that like the talent gets enough rest and the talent does it. You know what I mean? And it's like because mm-hmm. it's like there's a commodity to their, there's a commodification to their skill sets, like as a person, like part of like their like to
2: their existence.
0: Yeah, but like part of their like it's like their personalities and their like souls, for lack of a better term, are like part right. of the product. Right. And it's like that is the same fucking thing for any front of house person. And mm-hmm. there's no reason, you know what I mean? And that's not to say that back of house, back of house doesn't deserve it as well because they absolutely do. But I'm just saying like in terms of like the product you're putting out, like the mental capacity of your front of house staff is so wildly important to that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And like, I remember like there was like definitely these regulars that were really horrible people that I just, I was just like, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. So I would just not take care of them. I would, like, have somebody else take care of them. And then there was one day where, I like, I think it was a New Year's Day, honestly. And, like, I had to take care of them. And they were just so rude to me. I had been working there for three years. And they were like, are you new? And I was like, no. <laughs> like, you, I just avoid you all the time. Yeah. But, like, everyone would just, like, lick their buttholes. Like, I don't understand why it was, like, so.
0: I know. We have to take, we have to, like. They also spent cumulatively, like, what, 30 bucks? Like, they never spent money.
2: Yeah. And they had, like, she would send her croissant back three times because it wasn't warm enough. And I was like, I'm going to throw this fucking croissant in your face. Like, I know. Cappuccino was never, like, she needed the milk on the side because she was the only one that knew. It was just like, oh, my God. Uh, But there was, like, New Year's Day, and I had closed New Year's Eve, and I was like, I'm not doing it. And I, like, snapped. And, again, I'm not saying that we should have taken care of those people because they were horrible, but it's that thing where like as a hospitality professional in, in my, in my job now, I come across people that are frustrating, right? Like we we always will.
0: It's, oh yeah, there's no way. way,
2: And the way that I can handle it now is like with grace and like not, I'm not going to put up with, you know, misbehavior or rudeness or whatever, like abuse, but I can handle it with grace and I can like compromise and give people what they need and what they want while also like taking care of my staff and myself and my restaurant. But when you are working that much and you're so thinly stretched and you're like, and, and also it's like, Oh, no one works here. So you have to work a Klopin and you're the only one working. Yeah. like It is just, I can't deal with people like that. It is, it's over. And so like I snapped at those people and it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> so like,
0: yeah, you're right. Like it affects And that's the I would product. say that's not your fault. Like if this job is withholding you from sleep and like rest, yeah, you're gonna that's gonna happen. And I do think that ultimately falls on management. Like sure, it's right. your actions, but like at some point it's like you have been pushed to the brink.
2: And also fed like overcooked rice and undercooked chicken for 6 days in a row and yeah, like definitely had some so not
0: <laughs> But like and I I will say to like move it into like a more positive thing because I think we've ragged on this restaurant enough, but like it's I will say those, we had some good fucking nights. Like we had some good fucking nights.
2: And again, like the people, my like core group of friends in New York City are friends from that restaurant.
0: Same. Those are my people. Yeah, some of my closest friends. I mean, you're one of my closest friends. Like, yeah. Yeah.
2: Like those are my people. Those are my like homies from, again, we always joke that we were like, war vets like we went yeah. through it together and like you know, here's the thing I don't know if it's like right place right time and they just like hired a bunch of dope people that happened to like really click and get along or if it's like we went through something at the same time together that will forever bond us it's probably a little bit of both but
0: yeah like I think everyone I think what we all have in common is like and this isn't necessarily a good quality because I do envy the people because like, there would be people all the time at that restaurant who would show up and after one day be like absolutely not and walk out that happened every week I feel like Mm -hmm. and I was like and I always like look down on those people I was like they can't handle it because I feel like we're the type of people that when like and especially like younger version of ourselves because I think we learned from this experience but it's like when we get presented with something like that that's like insanely challenging and hard and like set up to fail we're like I will conquer it. Like, it's, like, mm-hmm. it's a challenge. And I think we all kind of felt totally. that way. And it's, like, now I'm, like... But oh, even, like, going
2: out fight. was a challenge, like, uh, that we had to conquer, right? Like, yes. every time it was... It wasn't, like, I feel like nowadays it's, like, oh, this person's last night at the restaurant. We're going to grab beers after work. If it was somebody's last night at that restaurant, it was a... It was, like, I am oh, going to be so hungover tomorrow. We are going <laughs> to, <laughs> like, we are going to stay out till 6 a.m. It was, like, a whole thing. Yeah, like, I remember... I don't know whose last night it was, but we were... I don't know if I should say the bar that we were at because it might give away the restaurant, but we were at the bar on the corner yeah. and uh, Sean and Mac were singing some Bruce Springsteen song and they moved all the tables and chairs in the bar out of the way. It was, way, like was last like, night, wasn't it? Me slid at the, po- at the part where Bruce does it in the video or what? I was just like, what is happening here? This is the most epic shit. I, and it was just like one of the servers last night. It wasn't even like a big deal. It no, was it was like, so. It we went hard.
0: Yeah. So yeah. What let's talk about now, let's transition into talking about going out because that is what we're here to talk about outside of the restaurant industry. But so we went out together last night. You like to go, (laughs) you like to go out, walk me through how you like to go out.
2: I guess there's like different iterations of going out because um. I live in a neighborhood where like, I have a lot of, I live in East Williamsburg and like, it's a cute little like, like nook between <clears throat> Williamsburg and Bushwick. That's like, a, feels a little more like humble neighborhoody, like not like fancy, like Williamsburg and not like so cool and artsy, like Bushwick. It's like somewhere in the middle. Um, and there's a lot of great restaurants and bars in like really like in walking distance of my neighborhood that I really love going out to. So there's like, you know, like, the month, like honestly, every Monday night, I go to Basic. It's on Gra- uh, Graham Avenue in East Williamsburg. It's my favorite bar of all time. Shout out to Jay. Uh, our friend Jay owns it, and he bartends every Monday, and so we call it Munjay. It's very funny, but I it's like a last very... Night. <laughs> we were there last night. Um, it's a very, like, neighborhood vibe slash industry vibe. So, like, I could sit there. I could go by myself and sit there and, like, throughout the night, see 10 friends, which is exactly what happened last night. And although I went with you, I didn't go by myself, but, um, (laughs) there's lots of restaurants in the neighborhood too. So like sometimes we'll go grab dinner at a matzo cafe and then walk over to basic and have our Monday. So like, that's one version. That's like one of my favorite things to do is just like stay in the neighborhood and pop around to different bars and restaurants. And like in such a large city like New York, that is so important to me because it's like, again, a sense of community and like, it's grounding, it's very grounding, um, but as someone who really loves being in restaurants and like for work, I also really just love being in restaurants, not for work. And like to have that experience from the other side is super important to me. One, cause I love it. Like I actually really love, like I'm a tourist, so I really love flavors and <laughs> I really love sensitive, like sensual things. And like, so I, uh, I love going out to eat. I love trying, want like, either trying new wine or, like, ordering the bottle of wine that I know is going to be so dope, um, trying new cocktails, all that kind of stuff, like, it excites me. It's, like, I am I always say, like, I feel like I'm boring because someone's, like, so what do you do in your free time? And I'm, like, exactly what I do in my not-free time, like, be in restaurants. <laughs> so going out for me is like, is, like, honestly, like, putting on a cute outfit, doing my hair, like, makeup, lipstick, the whole nine yards, um, and going out to, like, either a really fun restaurant that I know is going to be dope or like the new restaurant that's hot that just opened or restaurant that my friend works at. I'm going to visit them and sit at their bar, whatever it is. But like, that's going out for me. I like, you know, in my thirties now, I'm not going out to go dancing or shit like that, but like, it's like going out to dinner with friends and then like grabbing a nightcap afterwards.
0: Yeah. And I feel like I love, one of my favorite things to go out, going out with you, especially when we go out to dinner is like, it's, a lot of it is like the, it's like a reciprocity among industry people, right? So it's like, oh, really? you can, because when you're working, you're working in a restaurant five, six days a week, and then you get to go to another, a restaurant, like your friend has started work, like serving at a new place. Or your friend started managing at a new place. or Your friend just opened a new place and you get to go. And part of like the joy of it is one, you get to feel special because you're like on the VIP list in a certain way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And but then also it's like you get to receive like what you've been giving all week. Right. Like Mm -hmm. to just be the one sitting in the booth and have someone like see you and like surprise you and treat you and like hook it and like really take care of you is like so gratifying because you've been giving it all week. And I think hundred percent.
2: And like, that's, that's a big perk of our industry is like, you know, I I don't make a million dollars a year. I, so like, when someone who is in the industry comes into my bar, I make sure it's valuable, you know, like I make sure that they are receiving something that is worth what they're paying for it. You know, like I'm not going to comp your check because that puts this at a zero value. I heard that. I don't remember who I heard that from at like some cocktail conference once, like somebody doesn't comp checks because it's like, that makes this worth nothing. So like, I will hook you up and I will make this a worthy experience for you totally. but it's free because then it devalues the experience you just had. So like I want someone to come in and like have a really valuable experience and really love what they're what they're getting and also with the like understanding that like you work in a restaurant and part of the perk of working in a restaurant is that like you get a little bit like you get taken care of in a different way by other yeah. restaurant people when you go into their restaurant. Cause we're like all in the know, we all like know what's going on behind the scenes. And so we're like, we know what it feels like. We we know what's happening when someone's going above and beyond for us.
0: Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's gratifying. I think it's so gratifying to take care of other re- industry people because on like twofold one, no one's going to appreciate it more. Do you know what I mean? Like no, 100%. One, like, no one, no one else is going to, when you hook up someone who doesn't work in the restaurant industry, like they don't understand necessarily the value of what they're getting. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like what it is like, Mm -hmm. Oh, the chef made you something off menu and it's like a busy Saturday night. That's a huge fucking deal. Like that's like, and like to, and like someone else would be like, Oh, that's cute. And it's like, but like if you work in a restaurant, you know that like, wait, this is crazy that they did this. Mm -hmm. This feels really special. Mm -hmm. And so it's gratifying as to give that you want to give someone a gift. They're going to enjoy and no one's going to enjoy it more than a restaurant worker. And then also it's like, they're also understand the, there is a social agreement that there is going to be compensation. Like you're going to tip a little bit differently. Like
2: mm-hmm. it's not.
0: There's there's just a there's an agreement there and an understanding that I think is so powerful.
2: Totally. And I think what's really beautiful too is like I, we're, and I think I'm at this point in my career and life, and I think probably you are too, or like at least getting there, or you're not in restaurants anymore. But
0: but I think a lot.
2: <laughs> well, yes. So basically, what I'm saying is like. It used to be like, oh, my friend bartends at so-and-so, let's go. And now it's like my friend opened their own restaurant and they own it and they're running it. And I actually can't see them unless I go to their restaurant. That's true. So that is this like crazy point that we're at in our lives, in our careers, where I'm like, damn, like my friends own stuff. That's so cool. And I get to go and sit and like kind of peek into their brain a little bit. When you're in someone's restaurant that they own and they like put their heart and soul into – And you're like, damn, like, this is cool. This is, like, my friend's dream. And you get to experience that. And, like, when someone opens their own restaurant, it's obviously expensive. And, like, I don't expect free stuff. I don't expect anything when that happens, right? Like, I want you – Like a fresh opening? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely not. Like, like, I'm going to give you a year before we even talk about that. Yes. Yes. But if it's like a small restaurant that one of my friends owns, I'm like, I am here to support you and to like help, like support your dream and like that is just a beautiful thing to experience. I just 100 that. Yeah, I, love I think
0: it. like it's, something that's become like an unexpected theme of the podcast has been like advocating for small business restaurants. Like I didn't really consciously think about that before I mm-hmm. like started doing this, but it's like every time these conversations come up, it's like damn, those sirens. <laughs> um but it's like
2: you know you're in New York City when
0: I know right sounds of the city I didn't expect it to become me to become like this like advocate for like the small business restaurant and I'm not like anti the corporate restaurants in any way like any they like the giant us. corporations are different <laughs> but like the, the big restaurant groups in New York like some of them have like amazing restaurants that I love to go to like I'm not going to yeah. deny it but there is something The small, like, when people you know, like, a group of people band together and, like, get an investor to open a restaurant that they're excited about. It's, like, Mm -hmm. the concept, like you just said, is, like, something that is coming from their heart and soul and not from, like, a strategy team that was, Mm -hmm. like, looking at social media for two months and was, like, what's going to be the hot thing? And then open some weird-ass, like, pilgrim-themed restaurant. (laughs) And, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, because they think that's going to be, like, the next hot thing. And it's, like... It's, I just don't think it's, you can sense that. Do you know what I mean? And when you go to like a restaurant that like someone has like been dreaming of opening their own restaurant and then you get there and you're like, why the fuck is like this weird ass thing happening? And someone's like, and someone will be like, oh, it's cause like their mom was from this country and did this. And you're like, oh, I love that. You know what I mean? There's like always like heart and soul behind every single thing. And like, I think that that's really like like, even fucking Rosemary's, where I worked. Like, Rosemary's is part of, like... A, it's, like, a huge West Village restaurant, and it's part of... It is, like, part of a corporate group, but, like, the owner of that restaurant hired his cousin to design the restaurant to look like their grandma's house. And I think that, like, reads. Like, even though it is Her this, tea. like, big restaurant that is, like, massively popular, and now there's, like, multiple locations, like, mm-hmm. I think part of what worked there was that it did start from a seed of... There was, there was like, a little well, bit of a seed of, like, a heart and a home.
2: And I, I think there is
0: opportunity for heart and soul in
2: those big corporate restaurants. And like a yeah. very good friend of mine is an executive chef in the restaurant group that we just <laughs> talked a bunch of shit on. Um, and she makes it like this, the things she tells me that she does for her sous chefs and like her staff, I'm like, you're amazing. Like, Oh my god. A lot of the restaurants in that
0: group seem great to work for. It's just our students. She
2: takes care of people and that is her priority. And like the other parts that the there's like benefits to working in a big group like that. You you know, like literal benefits, like your health insurance is paid for. And and like
0: PTO. You
2: know, PTO and like structure and, help, and also work and help. And like, I get it. I get why someone wants to work in an environment like that. And especially if you are the executive chef and the boss, you can say, this is important to me. And also I'm going to make this a positive place to work. I'm going to make this
0: good. hundred percent. And for also not me, nothing, she's the first female executive chef of a very, very, very yes. iconic New York restaurant. So it's like, there yes. is value in like that. And like, it's cool like it's cool to say you got to work at those restaurants and see how those restaurants work if they're like New mm-hmm. York institutions. Like that's fucking cool.
2: Well, that's like the other part of uh like that's like the positive spin on what we went through in those restaurants, right? Cuz it's like yeah, there was a lot of shitty things, but for better or for worse, it made us really good at anything. You could throw you could like, you know, like just start throwing eggs at me while I'm serving a table or shaking drinks at a bar and serving someone like a four-course dinner with a $400 bottle bottle of Barolo. And like I would dodge every egg and like (laughs) give perfect service and the cocktail, you know what I mean? Like I, I decanted that bottle perfectly with zero sediment. Like it made us next level. Yes. And something that I always talk about at Kindred is like we, we try our best to hire people who we want to be around, but also people who can kind of just like learn the logistics of this specific restaurant, but really just know what they're doing because yeah. uh, like we, we all are, are industry vets, right? We've like the team at Kindred mm-hmm. and Ruffian, like we've all worked in restaurants for a really long time. And the reason we want to work in small restaurants like Kindred and Ruffian is because we were part of other big groups and we were able to, find success in those restaurants, but there was things about it that we really didn't jive with. And so we were able to like pick out the things that we know are important and that are correct and like valuable in a restaurant, but also add the things that we think as human beings are valuable. Yeah. And, and, but like, we can't do that if we don't know how to do it basically. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you, you can only do that. if you know, if you have learned the basics and been put through the ringer and you're like, cool, did that. Now I'm going to do it my way.
0: Yeah. And like, the, you're bringing up a good point that like those giant restaurants that have like 10 servers on a night and like, tw- and like f- eight back, like eight, like, um, back servers and like bar mm-hmm. bag, whatever. Like they have the space to train someone who's completely raw, like who's, who's yes. doesn't know what they're doing. Like, and it's going to be hard and they're going to get thrown in the fucking trenches. But like, frankly like at a place like Kindred where it's like there's two servers on the floor max and they're doing everything because they can because they're fucking dope. They Mm -hmm. don't really have the time to train someone who doesn't know the basics. Exactly. And so there is like, I haven't really ever thought about that before, but there is that there is huge value in that. And those big restaurants group and restaurants
2: can hire 60 to 150 people, you know, like I have like less than 10 staff members right now. Like, uh, you know, so like, you can kind of like that, those, for lack of a better term, they're like, they're like hospitality factories, you know, like,
0: absolutely.
2: People through them and then they spit out into the rest of the world. Like, how many people do we know that like all work in this one restaurant, but they, they all worked in another restaurant restaurant group together before, but this is like their small little...
0: No, it's so topic. true. It's so true. Like, you no? be like, like... We're from one restaurant group, like, fam, They're kind of like dynasties where or it's like everyone 100%. went to, like... It's almost like everyone went to a different college. It's like, oh, did you go to Be Our Guest? Or did you go to, like... Like, it's these different ma- massive yeah. restaurant groups in New York, and it's kind of like almost every industry vet has done one of them because you kind of do have to. And, like, there yeah. are the few people who have, like, you know, found their way to, like, a smaller restaurant and did, like, work up, like almost, like, in the indie scene. It's, like, it's like liberal mm-hmm. versus, like, the Big Ten schools or whatever. Oh, my God. Totally. It's just so funny. I've never thought about it that way, but that is, like, so fucking true. Yeah. And you can tell, like, someone, like, like, someone who's worked in, like, those smaller places, like, they're amazing and they're probably really good at, like, creative service and, like, really intimate service. But then, like, maybe if, like, things get really crazy, there's, like, not technical thing where I'm, like, oh, at the end of the day, I can carry five plates. Do you know what I mean? It's, like, shit like that. Or, like...
2: Like, Shannon, for example, she worked in small little Brooklyn and Manhattan restaurants totally. her whole career. And she got criticized a little bit for like being messy or unorganized or something like that. But it was like, okay, but like the woman can figure out how to fit, you know, a, a, a 15 item brunch menu into a tiny little fridge. Cause we don't have a walk-in like and the, she and never the had the luxury yeah. Yes. She never had the luxury of a prep team. She never had the luxury of so a giant true. walk-in. Like she knows how to work in those environments. Oh, so that's that, so true. You know what I mean? That's like a huge that was I always thought that was like a huge value, but like Yeah, I don't know. There there is something like going back to like going out. There is something like so Awesome about going into some of those bigger restaurants and being treated like a VIP. Also, like oh, in any restaurant, it feels good. But like when you go into like the restaurant that we were talking about before, and you're like, pe- people around you're like, what? Why is this person like? Why is the chef coming out and talking to this person? And I'm like, hair flip. I'm so important. I'm so important.
0: You no, know? It's that, just- I mean, it's it is like a fucking sexy feeling when you know that like a ticket got printed out with your name on it and your preferences. Like that's hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Unfortunately, I mean, I could talk to you for hours and I probably will talk to you within the next few days because we are very close friends, but (laughs) we are coming to the end of this conversation. (laughs) And I'm curious as like maybe one of the most seasoned service vets we've had on the podcast for the listeners who don't work in restaurants, but love restaurants number one, like piece of advice or even just like plea to be like, please learn this or please stop doing this or please do this. Like what's like top of your list?
2: Um, well, like if I'm being funny, yes, we have a bathroom and it's in the back to the right. So like, please (laughs) stop asking me. Um, no, but real honestly, like kind of like going back to what I said before, your servers, your bartenders, your managers, everybody that works in the restaurant is an expert at what they're doing and serving. Yep. So like trust them. Yep. hundred percent. Just trust, trust them. them. And it's okay if you don't want to go in and be like, give me whatever you think. Like I have friends that come in and are like, just order for us and pick bottles of wine and like go. That's okay if that's not your job, like your vibe. But like when someone says, when someone's trying to like talk to you about the wine or talk to you, like trust them. They know what they're talking about. Trust them. They've studied it. They, they know. Just trust. Just give a little. These are skilled workers. Trust mm-hmm. them.
0: They are very skilled workers. Mm-hmm. And on that, we will leave. Charlotte, I love you so much. I love you, Jake. Thank, you, thank you so soon. much.
2: This was so fun.
0: Oh my God. It was so fun. Okay. I'll, I'll see you see later. You, like, Army. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Going Out with Jake Cornell. If you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on, that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way. So thank you. And now for some credits. Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seasai. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to VinePair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible.